Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. How's everybody doing? It's 2021. How's everybody doing? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. It is a new year. It is a new day. It is a new day. We sang about that. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, may his name be praised. Amen? Amen. We can set our sights on something better than 2020. We can set our sights back on 2020 and know that all the things that were hard, he was working out of us. Amen? We can give glory for those things. Well, welcome back to Church 214. I want to start, you know, a lot of people go into the new year. Um, by, by gra- getting a word, like one word, a word from God, hopefully, it's a word from God, um, and I don't know if you've done that at all yourself, um, God downloaded a word to me the other day for 2021, and it was favor, which is an awesome word, I wasn't expecting that, um, but, but he told me, he said, it's not just for me and my family, it's for this church, it's for you all as well, so I want you to grab hold of that, if nothing else. Um, but I want, what I want you to do is something a little different in the next few moments. We're just going to take a minute or two, and I want you to close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a word for this next season. Now, I don't want you to think from your head. I want you to listen from your heart. It says in the Bible that if we ask, he will give to us. He's a father that wants to give good gifts, and I believe right now he's releasing a word for you specifically in next season. And here's what I want you to do. When he gives it to you, I want you to text your word to the number that's going to come up on the screen. That's my, that's my cell phone right here, okay? Take your time. I want you to text me your word. I won't share your name. But I want to collect all these words. We're going to do something at the end here, okay? So I'll know. If I get like one text, I'll know you're not listening. I know you're watching the game. (laughs) Don't take this moment for granted. What he's speaking to you, the different words throughout this, this church right now, what he's speaking to you is powerful. Okay, good. I got eight texts, so we'll wait. I know you all have phones. Okay, while you're finishing up, and if you, if you still haven't texted me, I, you know, you need to do that before you leave here tonight. Actually, before I wrap up this message, because we're going to do something at the end. Get it? Awesome. You guys are awesome. So I've wanted to share this story for a while. My, as many of you know, I grew up in Canada, and uh, my dad's parents, my grandparents, uh, Grandpa Grandma Taves, Albert and Anna Taves, they uh, operated a farm. And so we lived in, the, when I grew up, we lived in the big city, and we would drive about 45 minutes out to their farm and just had the best time out there. So awesome. Uh, my grandpa was a farmer, obviously. He raised uh, chickens. Um, egg-producing chickens, and then uh, a lot of canola, um, wheat, and barley. And he was also a pastor. Um, 
a fantastic man. But my grandpa had a disease called Parkinson's disease. And Parkinson's is a disease that attacks the, the nervous system, the central nervous system. And it causes tremors in your body. So for as long as I could remember, it, it, it really didn't come on until a few years before I was born. But as, as long as I knew him, he had Parkinson's and he would, he would his, his right hand or left hand, I can't remember which, would, would shake like this. And he would have a lot of trouble um, coordinating his, his walking. It was very painful. It was very difficult for him to walk. But my grandpa Taves, man, he loved Jesus more than anybody I've ever met. I get my love of Jesus because of that man. He would just start praying at the table and he couldn't finish because he was so in love with Jesus. I'm so grateful for him. And, and my grandma, she... she uh, had the most faith of any woman I've ever seen before in my life. And when I think of um, taking steps, when I think of walking, I think of my grandpa because of how difficult it was for him to walk. And he would have been the perfect guy to just kind of pack it in like he had every excuse in the book not to walk every day. But he did walk every day because he, he wanted to live longer. He wanted to... Um, he wanted to beat this disease. And so every day he chose, you know, whether it was summer or winter, he chose to walk. He chose to very difficult, uh, take difficult steps one foot in front of the other. In, in the winter times when there's a lot of snow, he'd go out to his chicken barns and he'd walk for hours, laps, painful, slow steps of laps in his chicken barns. He didn't give up. He took one step forward after another. And often when I see our logo of our church, I'll think of him because our entire existence is due to taking a step forward, continuing to take steps forward. God is a God of movement. He doesn't stop, amen? And he, uh, he asks us to move with him, amen? That's why we named this church Church 214. It's after Acts 214, which says... Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. It's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit had just fallen in Jerusalem. And <laughs> half the crowd that gathered, they heard this noise. They, came, they come, they see these apostles who are um, filled with the Holy Spirit. And half the crowd thinks these, these guys are drunk. And half the crowd are like, wow, how do they know my language from back home? The, I, I, these are Galilean fishermen. How do they know my language? And there's caused such a commotion that in verse 14 of Acts 2, Peter stood up and he stepped forward and he preached a message and 3,000 people got saved that day. That was the start of the church of Jesus Christ. And that's where, like Peyton was saying earlier, we're standing on their shoulders. We're stepping forward together. We're taking steps of movement. We're not standing still. We won't stand still. Jesus said to his disciples, and he's still saying to you and I today, come, follow me. Like, I'm, I'm going somewhere. I'm not standing still. Come along, follow me. Walk the shoreline with me. See, Christianity is not some sort of passive lifestyle. Hello? You can agree with me. That's, that's really good. I like it when people shout amen. 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 See, if you call yourself a Christ follower, a follower of Christ, you have an action step to take. 
You're either following him or you're not. There's no middle ground. You're, you're either hot or cold. The lukewarm, he spits out of his mouth. And the kingdom of God is established in this earth by you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, stepping forward. And as we step forward, we occupy enemy territory. Jesus says, his last thing he said was, what, go, not stop, go, green light, you, go. Step forward into where? All the world. And today in 2021, I want you and I to continue to take a step forward. Because I think many of us kind of paused and hid in a cave, if you will, in the 2020. And I've said it before and I'll keep saying it till the day I die. You were not made to stay safe. You were made to be dangerous. You are the most dangerous force on earth. The most dangerous force on earth. Your destiny is to crush demonic forces. Do you believe that? Your future is full of destroying satanic assignments. That's you. That doesn't sound like a passive religion to me. It sounds like a pursuit of the master to me. There's one that you follow. His name is Jesus Christ. His blood has conquered everything. You have no fear in the world. You defeat your enemy by three things. The blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and that you didn't love your life even unto death. That was the reason Jesus came to earth. 1 John 3.8 says the reason the Son of Man was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. That is also your assignment, to continue his assignment. Because you carry him with you, yeah? Everywhere you go. So today we're, we're launching this series of Home Address. It's called Home Address 2.0, which if you weren't here for the original version, it was a year and a half ago, I believe, in the summer, uh, we did this original series called Home Address, in which we took, um, since our church is based off of Acts 2.14, we took other two, chapter 2, verse 14 verses in the Bible and preached from those. So in Home Address 2.0, since we're moving into 307 Oak Street, we're taking chapter 3, verse 7 verses, 307 of the Bible and preaching about those. Get it? Yes. This evening thing is killing you guys, isn't it? <laughs> I love you. Most of you. No, all of you. All of you. Jared's not here, so I can say all of you. So today I'm preaching from Zechariah, chapter 3, verse 7. I'll let you find it. Um, it's the second to last book in the Old Testament, Zechariah, Malachi. While you're finding it in your phone or, or uh, maybe you're still texting me your, your word. I haven't forgotten about you. Um, let me give you a little brief history of Zechariah. Zechariah prophesied to the people of Judah after they returned from their 70-year exile in Babylon, okay? Um, Zechariah's grandfather was a priest named Edo. And when priest Edo returned from Babylon back to Jerusalem, um, he brought his young grandson, Zechariah, with him. And he was with the first group of Israelites that returned back from Babylon to Jerusalem when Cyrus, remember Cyrus, King Cyrus of Persia, he paid to have the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. 
So now you understand kind of the history of, of where we're at. So that was in 538 BC when that group, that first group, went back to Jerusalem. And because of his family lineage, Zechariah was a priest as well as a prophet. Okay? So therefore, he had an intimate familiarity with the worship practices of the Jews, even though he had never served in the completed temple. Think about that. So he's in Babylon, comes back with his family as a young boy. He knows all this stuff about, he's heard all these stories, right, that's been passed down through the, but he has never yet served in the, in the temple. It's coming. It's, it's coming soon. I love that part of the story. So the first eight chapters of Zechariah are actually eight different visions that Zechariah has that he receives from the Lord one restless night on February 15th, 519 B.C. And what we're going to do is we're going to read part of the third vision. Get it? Awesome. So we're going for our targets, Zechariah 3.7. We've got to start at verse 1 to understand what's going on here. This is the third vision Zechariah had that night in February. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser Satan was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusation, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood before the angel. So the angel turned to the others standing there. Take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, See, I have taken away your sins, and now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. Then I said, They should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, here's verse 7, this is what the Lord said. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among the others standing here. Let's pray. Jesus, would you unpack this for us? Would you help us to understand what's going on here, what uh, the authority that Jeshua has been given, and how that relates to us, God? I pray for every heart in this place that it would just be softened by the love of Jesus. We thank you for your blood, which is stronger than any force on this earth. We thank you that you've conquered and made a way. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Zechariah 3, verse 7. I want you to imagine that the Lord is saying this directly to you, because he is. You are a king and a priest, as we know from the New Testament. And this is what he's saying to Jeshua, but he's also saying this to you. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. I want to pull out a few things from this passage just so we can dive deeper into it. And we'll get back to verse 7 in a moment. The first thing that's really interesting is Zechariah is having this vision of a priest named Joshua. Now, Joshua is basically the same name as Joshua that we know, uh, the commander that crossed uh, in, into the promised land. It's also the same name as Yeshua, Jesus' name 
in Hebrew. So I think that's very significant. Jesus is our high priest. Yeshua, I love it. And they, they all both said the same different things. So to Yeshua, the Lord said, if you follow my ways and carefully serve me. Then if you go back to Joshua, in, in the last chapter, I believe, of, of the book that he wrote, Joshua says that you'll remember this because it's in a lot of kitchen tables hung up, maybe yours. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, what we will serve the Lord. And then, of course, Jesus, our Yeshua, our master, our rabbi that we follow, he said, what? Come, follow me, serve me, take up your cross and follow me. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then what? Then you will be given, anybody? Authority. Authority, Authority over what? Authority over my temple and its courtyards. Where's the temple? I'm looking at a lot of temples right now. Where's the temple? It's you. You are the temple. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over this temple. Authority, kingdom authority starts within you. Because Jesus said the kingdom is within you. And you'll never have authority over courtyards and other places until you've taken the authority over this temple. Right? Until you've taken authority over what you're responsible for, the temple that you are responsible for. Jesus said it this way in Acts 1, right before he ascended into heaven. Acts 1.8, you know this verse. But you will receive power. It's another word for authority there. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem, right? Where the temple is, in Jerusalem, and Judea, in Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. He starts with the temple, and he moves outward. Kingdom authority works with you. It starts with you, then it expands outward, not the other way around. There's a progression to your spiritual authority. It has to start here. That's why we talk so much about heart condition here. If this temple isn't right, it doesn't matter about anything else that you do. Nothing. Kingdom authority starts in Jerusalem and progresses outward. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority. I will let you walk. Your authority enables you to have forward movement. Your authority enables you to walk. I will let you walk. I will let you step forward. This is your authority. Now, where does it say he ha is walking? Where is this vision taking place? I will let you walk where? Let's go back to that verse if we've got it up there. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Where is he? He's in the heavenly realms. He's, Jeshua is being accused by Satan in the heavenly realms where principalities and powers are, are battling. Where Paul says our, our real battle is. Remember that verse, Ephesians 6? We quote it a lot. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with these other temples in this room. It's not with these other people in this room. But you have a hand-to-hand -hand combat if you're awakened to that fact. against the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion in where? The heavenly realms. Same place that God just told you you have authority in. 
for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. So you mean to tell me that if we follow his ways and serve him, that you'll be given authority over your temple and his courtyards, and you'll be able to walk in these high places, the heavenly realms where principalities and darkness operates, that you actually have authority there. Say yes. yes. The same place where your accuser, the accuser, your enemy, right now is accusing you, you have authority there. You have the mind of Christ. So we don't think like this. We think too earthly. We don't think like this. But we're told over and over again to think like this. That we are in a war. We are in a battle. It's just not with each other. You are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. You have authority in that same heavenly place. Jesus taught us about this kind of authority and he I'm going to preach on something here. I'm going to take a turn, but it's related. Jesus taught us to, to bind and loose. You ever heard that term before? Matthew 18, 18. It's very confusing because it's not been taught properly. It's not been taught well at all. Um, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18. He said, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So you have binding authority and loosing authority in the heavenly realms. Because of what I, what I just taught about from Zechariah, this makes this verse a little clearer, doesn't it? You can walk in heavenly realms. You have authority over these here, these others here. Binding and loosing refers to the same thing. It refer, refers to your authority over the powers of darkness. Now, binding and loosing actually occur, occurs simultaneously, okay? So a demon is, a strong man or a demon is bound, and at the same time, simultaneously, you or someone else is freed, okay? So it's a simultaneous action. Jesus said this in Matthew 10 to, to his disciples and to you and me. He said, as you go, preach this message. Heaven's realm is accessible, close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and to those who are sick. And check this out. Make it your habit, that's you and me, to break off the demonic presence from people. What if we started a new habit in 2021 of breaking off the demonic presence from people? What if we actually opened our eyes to the fact that we are seated in heavenly places, that we have authority in the heavenly realms, and we have the authority of Jesus Christ as someone who's purchased with his blood to bind that demon and loose people into freedom. Here's an example of Jesus doing this, Luke 13, verse 11 to 13. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and he said to her, Woman, you are freed, you are loosed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Binding and loosing, one action. Binding means, that Greek means to tie shut or to silence the demonic. 
Satan has no more authority over you. As a child of God, if you've received him, he doesn't have authority over you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to keep you from, from uh, understanding that you have authority in the, this, this realm. But he doesn't have authority. That word loose simply means to free, to free that which was bound. There's no more legal claim over you that Satan has. When Jesus finished his work on the cross, he disarmed Satan. That, those legal charges against you, he blotted them out with his blood. And then he made a parade in the heavenly realms. Satan does not have legal claim over you. But here's the thing. You've got to exercise your authority. You've got to walk it out. You've got to move. See, the kingdom of God is evidenced by demonstrations of power over Satan. Still today here on this earth. If you want to say the kingdom, if you want to see examples of the kingdom of God, you look for where Satan is bound and people are freed. That's why the, our two measures of success in this church are the presence of God and the freedom that he brings. Binding, loosing. The kingdom of God is evidenced, is made known by demonstrations of the power of Jesus over the demonic realm. In Revelation 12, I preached about it this summer. It's a very, if you want to read the shortest version of the gospel ever, Revelation 12. It's actually what, was hap what happened in the heavenly realms. Well, we read about the story here on earth. This is what happened in the heavenly realms. Satan tried. He knew this, this child, man-child was coming to earth. He tried to stop it, tried to kill the baby. Didn't work. Couldn't stop the child from rising from the dead. And he cannot stop that same Jesus from ruling the nations with a, with a rod of iron. That's the gospel. Revelation 12. That's why Jesus says in Revelation 1, he says this to John. He says, look, I'm holding the keys. I'm holding the keys of death and hell. See, those keys signify the authority that he has over uh, Satan and the dark forces. Those keys are very important. He holds the keys right here, right now. He's got the authority. He holds the keys. And guess what? You're in love with the one who holds the keys. Or I hope you are. I, I really hope you are. I, I really hope your heart's beating for him. Because if you're in love with him, and if you're serving him and following him in his ways, then he'll give you authority to walk all over the demonic realm. That's how the kingdom of God spreads. You are seated in heavenly places next to the one who holds the keys. You have authority as kings and priests. You are the children of God and you were meant to take a step forward. You were designed to crush the head of the serpent. You were destined to break down the very gates of hell. You were meant to violently take the kingdom of God by force, by spiritual force, and establish his presence on this earth. That's what you were meant to do. Are you doing it? Zechariah 3.7, this is what the Lord of 
heaven's army says, if you follow my ways, if you carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Why don't you stand? My favorite story of my Grandpa Taves um, was one winter. My, my brother and I, I was, I was about 12 years old. My brother was nine. And um, it was just the two of us and Grandpa and Grandma at the farm. And it, was, it snowed a lot, kind of like today. And somehow my brother and I found a pair of cross-country skis in the garage. And so we were messing around with them. And my grandma has a great idea. She goes, hey, Albert, my grandpa's name. Why don't you have the boys teach you how to ski? Now remember, my grandpa's got Parkinson's. He can barely walk. And I look at my brother like, uh, how's this going to go? So we get him in the gear and kind of get him on like, next to this little hill by the house. And he takes, we kind of had to push him, you know. <laughs> we pushed him a little bit just to get him going because he couldn't hardly move. And we push him. He takes like one glide and he just tumbles to the ground like skis everywhere he's twisted up like a pretzel lying there with his I remember just looking at him he's lying there like eyes wide skis a mess my brother and I are like oh my goodness how are we going to get him up again I'll never forget it as long as my, I live my grandma comes to the door and she looks right at my grandpa in, in his eyes and she says Albert get up you know how to walk. And as a 12-year-old, I thought in that moment, I'm like, that is the meanest thing <laughs> she could say to him. But now that I've matured, it's actually the most loving and faith-filled thing she could ever say to him. I want, Jesus is, is here to tell you one thing tonight. Get up and walk. You know how to walk. Stop living in whatever pity party you're in and get up and walk. There was another man who couldn't walk. He was an invalid at the pool of Bethesda. You know this story. He'd been there for 38 years. 38 years he had tried to get into the the miracle water, be the first one in. He, he could never make it there. And Jesus comes along. And you're thinking, man, Jesus is, is, is going to be great. Jesus is going to love him and say some good things over him. Do you know, remember what he said to him? First thing he said, he had asked him a question. He said, do you want to be healed? What kind of a question is that? Do you want to be healed? And I think he's saying the same thing to you today. I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what your situation is. We've all gone through a lot in 2020. But he's saying to you, do you actually want this authority? Do you actually want to be healed? Because there's a lot of you out there that I'm looking at right now that just are more comfortable in your pity party, in your shame, in your sin, in whatever, whatever's going on in your heart. You were comfortable that way.
And Jesus says, no, pick up your mat and walk. Walk. Burn the mat. You do not need the mat anymore. Satan's got you bound up in this pity party of whatever it is, bitterness, offense, sin. You're bound up. You know it, I know it. Do you want to be healed? Or are you just going to sit there on your mat the rest of your life? Pretend like you're a Christ follower. Are you going to grab hold of the authority that he has for you? So you can help others pick up their mats and walk. Why don't you close your eyes in this moment? Let's go back to Matthew 18. Jesus says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he said this, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. He's here. He's here and he's looking at you, you on your mat. And he's saying, do you want to be healed? Because if you do, it's real simple. Pick up your mat and walk. I've given you the authority. You've got the authority. You actually want to take the steps, though. I'm going to open up this altar for you to come forward right now. We're going to bind and loose. Whatever your mat is, whatever that situation is, I just want you to come forward. Don't let your pride get in the way. There's a reason he says walk. There's a reason he says take steps, physical steps towards him. For me, I know I have to come to the altar so often, so often. It's a repetitive process where we come just back to his presence again. Don't let pride stop you in this moment. Jesus wants to heal you. Do you want to be healed? Walk. For those of you who still haven't come forward, keep coming. I want to say to all of you, I want you to remember the word that you texted me. Remember the word that God gave you tonight. Because whatever the opposite of that word is, is what's binding you up. That's what needs to be loosed. That's what needs to be loosed. Keep on coming. Don't let your pride stop you from receiving a miracle of Jesus. Don't let your pride stop you. God, break the spirit of Leviathan in this place right now. That nasty, ugly monster. Break it off. In Jesus' name.
we bind and rebuke the spirit of pride. That same spirit that tried to exalt itself above the name of Jesus. We bind and rebuke that in the name of Jesus right now. I pray that you would release freedom over these people tonight. That the spirit of pride would just be gone off their lives. Shifted off their lives right now in Jesus' name. Uh, we release the spirit of stepping forward. Someone wrote forward. I love it. God, release that spirit off them. We bind and rebuke the spirit of holding back. They're not held back any longer. In Jesus' name, they're moving forward. God, we, we release miracles. We agree. Somebody agree with me. We release your miracles in this place tonight. The Satan cannot stop us anymore. We see his old tricks. We are meant to crush his head. God, and we say that you are right on time. You are right on time. That was somebody's word. You are right in this moment, right on time. So we pray against the years that the locusts have eaten. We bind that. We pray destiny. We, we pray decades of destiny. That's what it says in the Psalms. The days of despair are no more. Decades of destiny are right here. Release that in Jesus' name. We bind and rebuke the devourer of our time. Ah, oh, we thank you for your presence. Oh, that we would be captivated by your presence. Captivated by your holiness. God, we thank you for provision. Provision. Would you release provision to this church, this city, God? A place, Central Illinois, a place where people are making jokes of. People, a place where people are fleeing from. Would you just release your favor and provision? We are called for such a time as this. God, give us supernatural favor in this place at this time. We bind and rebuke any of the authority of Satan in this place. Pray that you would give favor and provision to the businesses represented in this room right now, Jesus, as they step forward in this year, that they are not just doing business, they are establishing your kingdom presence here on this earth for a heavenly destiny. God, we release your trust. Your trust. We bind and rebuke the spirit of doubt. We trust in you and you alone. Thank you for the confidence that you give us as we step into 2021. And we release your peace, God. Peace be still. Thank you, God, for your peace in the midst of storms. We fix our eyes on you. I love this one, opportunity. Uh, release your opportunity to us. I bind the spirit of discouragement. I bind the spirit of discouragement. 
you can no longer attack those that have been given your opportunities. God, we release your faithfulness. You are the faithful one. We bind the spirit of laziness, of slothfulness, of sluggishness. We pray that we would be faithful like our God is faithful, that we would continue to keep our eyes fixed on him. We release the spirit of faithfulness in this community, in this city. I uh, thank you for these words. These are powerful words that God gave you guys. Father, we release intimacy with you. We rebuke the devourer who comes to take the intimate moments away from us with you. I just release a flood of intimacy that people would come to know you more and more and more and understand the love of the Father the love that he has for, for each and every son and daughter in this place. Father, we release your grace, grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. It's an endless supply. It's like Niagara Falls. It just doesn't stop. No matter what you've done, we break off any guilt and shame right now and we release your grace. Tonight is your night to come back to the Father. All you have to do is turn to him. He's right there. He's waiting for you. He's in this place. The kingdom of God is near. He is right here. We receive your grace, God. God, we release newness, freshness. Would you just release a flood of, of newness? Let yourself be made famous again in our lives. Let your name be the highest one in our lives. Thank you for your newness that you're releasing. feel like somebody needs to come back to the Father tonight. That's you. You just turn to him in this moment. He'll receive you with open arms. His mercies are new every morning. There's that newness again. Just receive it. Receive his love. He's got you. He's got you in the perfect place the perfect moment in time. Father, release your intentionality over us, your intentions. Let us be intentional with the time that we're given. Intentional. Father, release gratitude. Let us be a grateful people. 
we thank you for everything that you've done in this past year. Things that you've broken off of us. Even in the pain, there's the promise. The pain and faithfulness of Joseph's life produced promise. Made him a prince. God, you're, you're releasing princes in this place tonight. Princes and princesses that are taking hold of your authority in kingdom realms and spiritual realms. Father, release joy. We bind and rebuke the spirit of suicide. You cannot come against us any longer. We bind and rebuke the spirit of, of uh, depression. You're not allowed to inflict our hearts and our minds anymore. Our hearts and our minds are given to one name. The love of the Father cannot let that spirit attack us anymore. It's gone. Jesus, seal it with your blood. We receive your joy. Let joy overwhelm us. Father, would you release forgiveness? Oh, God, that the spirit of bitterness be dug up, that root, that ugly root that's underground that it's so hard to see sometimes, just rip it up, God. As we step forward into your forgiveness, as we forgive others, whatever step we need to take, God, there's a step sometimes that we need to take spiritually and physically. Maybe there's somebody that you need to, to call after this, text after this that you need to release forgiveness from your mouth after this. Father, we release surrender and simplicity. Uh, yes, God. We bind and rebuke the spirit of complex, the spirit of religion. And we release the simple gospel, the simple grace, the simple love of the Father. God, we release rest and peace. Thank you that in you we have rest and peace. Oh, God. We bind the warring nature of Satan and his accusers that comes after us. No weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon. The sword of Goliath, it will break off his own head, not ours. We pick up the simple stones from the brook. The simple stones that find the target of the enemy. Because your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. We lean into that tonight. Your yoke is easy. Just let the weight go off your shoulders. Your, your yoke is easy, God. Huh. Your burden is so light. You take the heavy yoke. You break the heavy yoke. It's on your shoulders. The government is on your shoulders. We break off the spirit of worry, of anxiety. We release your steadfast love, your steadfast promises, your agape love. 
your passion, your grace. We, we release growth. God, we don't want to stay in the same place. Break off the spirit of immaturity. That we would go from milk to meat. Throw away those baby bottles. We're, we're eating meat now. We're eating steak for dinner, God. That this would be a mature group of believers. That we would actually disciple each other. That iron would sharpen iron. We wouldn't get offended. We don't live in a spirit of offense. We break off the spirit of offense. In Jesus' name be gone. That's an ugly one. And we release love, the love of the believers, just like the first church. They shared everything they had. Release it, God. Release it in hearts first, in these temples first. That's where it starts, in your heart, my heart. somebody that you're supposed to just lay hands on right now. If that's you, just go lay hands on who the Holy Spirit is showing you to lay hands on. pray for physical healings in this moment. Father, just like my grandma prayed for years with bold faith for my grandpa's Parkinson's disease, I know I carry that same faith. I laughed at it in my youth and now I carry it in my spirit. I laughed just like Sarah, but now I see even though my grandpa wasn't healed on this earth, he is running his hands through grain right now in heaven. So God, release the spirit of healing. We bind and rebuke the spirit of infirmity right now. We release your healing, touch, physical bodies from the top of their head to the bottom of their souls. Jesus, you've woven them together in their mother's wombs. You know exactly what areas need to be touched. Now God, break through. Show your miracles once again. The things the doctors say can't be fixed, fixed right now in Jesus' name. Pray that you would open wombs right now. We pray for the future generations that will be released just because of tonight. What, what is prayed and released tonight? Because bitterness was let go of. Because guilt was let go of. Because shame was let go of. Release your love and your grace. Overwhelm Spirit and soul, overwhelm right now. Jesus told me almost a year ago, he said, I'm healing you. I have healed you, and I'm going to heal you. That's for the family. That's for this family. He has healed you. 
He did heal you. He's going to heal you. Receive that tonight. Spirit, soul, and body. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for your blood, for your sacrifice which purchased us. The highest price was paid. If you don't know him tonight, if you have never received Jesus Christ, I want you to come talk to me after the service, but all you have to do is turn right now in Jesus' name. Turn to him, receive his blood. Say, I'm yours. I've been bought with a price. Father, thank you that you're doing miracles up here. Thank you that your spirit is moving. Thank you for your grace, for your love, for your peace, for your patience, for your joy. God, release a joy in this body that they've never experienced before. They've only heard about this kind of joy. A joy, that a tap that can't even be turned off because it's so, it bubbles up. It's so filled with gratitude. We put on a garment of praise. We reject the spirit of heaviness. We receive your love, your joy. Thank you, Jesus. up front getting ministered to just just stay right there we're gonna have the band come forward did anything shift in anyone tonight anybody You know you were bought with a price. You were bought with the highest price, the blood of Jesus. That makes you the redeemed. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How about we celebrate? God, we're going to hear stories of what just happened tonight. Okay? We're going to hear testimonies. We defeated him what? By the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony. The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What he did before, he's doing again right now. So let's shout about it. Let's sing about it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.